This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning, Christian Chapel. I'm so glad that you all made it today. And I am elated that you guys have joined us this morning. And guess what? My name is Pastor Kay, and I am the youth pastor here at Christian Chapel. And it is my pleasure to host you all today. And I am overjoyed to share this word with you all. I believe that God has a special word, a divinely inspired word. And I want to open up myself and share some vulnerable parts of my life. But I also definitely want to share the word of God with you today. And we are going to continue our series called Seek First, and our focus verse, um, this whole series, has been Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 33, which I like to call my life scripture. I like to call that my life scripture um, because basically I've lived <clears throat> my whole life by this scripture. So much to the point where I have this verse tattooed on me somewhere. Yes, I do have this verse tattooed on me. It definitely means that much to me. But we'll jump right in and see what it says. It actually says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I strongly believe that if you're stuck in the past today, that God is going to reach back and pull you out and pull you into the now. And if you are anxious about the future, you're always uh, uh, reaching towards the future and, and, and having anxiety about the future. I believe that God's going to settle you down into the now. And if you're just somewhere in between, somewhere in a space where you don't know where you are, I believe that the presence of God will encompass you today for you to be involved in the present. Um, so we'll jump uh, right in. But before I start, I'd like to honor Pastor Chris for this privilege to minister to such royalty. You guys are absolute royalty, and all you guys are sons and daughters of the King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory, and you are his sons and daughters. You are his sons and daughters. And so if you are a son and daughter of the King, that means that you are royalty and you are uh, heirs to the throne. And since you're a child of the King, I believe that you have special privileges. I believe that you hold high value. I believe you hold high esteem. I believe that God has special things laid up for you, but sometimes, just sometimes, some of us forget who we are. We forget that we're children of the King. We forget that God has called us to higher places, and so for my sake and for your sake, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. Tap yourself on the chest and say, I am a child of the King Come on, do it one more time. Tap yourself on the chest and say, I am a child of the king. Now, if you know that your heavenly father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and has mansions with your name on it in heaven, crowns waiting for you, streets of gold paved for you, turn to the person that's next to you and tell them like you believe it. I am a child of the king. Amen, amen, amen. I am a child of a king. It's so ironic to me uh, that we hold these truths about God, that God has created the heavens and the earth, and we believe that God has created every living and moving thing, and we uh, hold truth to the fact that Jesus has created us in his divine image. We were created in the image of God, and yet 
we still doubt his power, yet we still doubt him. It's almost as if we've fallen into some form of an identity crisis, almost as if we've fallen into some sort of amnesia, forgetting who we are, who God has called us to be, forgetting that we are King's kids. Now, before you kill me for calling you a kid, and before you slay Pastor K for calling you a kid, I want you to remember that there was a time where Jesus was with the disciples, and the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus sees a kid. He calls the kid forward and he tells the kid to come sit down. And when the kid sits down, he says, unless you become like this kid that is sitting right here, you won't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus continues to say, whoever humbles themselves as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So before we can seek first his kingdom, we have to remember that we are children of the king. And so now that we've got that established and we've dispelled some of those uh, lies and we've, dis we've dispelled the forgotten truth that you are a child of the king, we can move forward in today's sermon. I'm excited because now you know that you're a child of the king and everything I say moving forward should build your faith. So today I just want to pray for us and uh, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I have a very uh, meaningful prayer for us today. And so wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes at this very moment. Father, increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. That was my prayer for today. Uh, and I believe that God's going to honor that. I believe God's going to honor that. Well, um, back when I was in Bible college, uh, we had to take a spiritual giftings test. And I'm not big on the whole personality test and stuff. I, I haven't even taken an Enneagram test. I don't know uh, what my Enneagram number is. And I'm sure one day I will take that test. But back when I was in Bible college, we took a spiritual giftings test, and uh, one of my highest scores was on the gift of faith. And that was strange to me um, because I didn't know that that was a spiritual gift. I thought that everybody just had faith. But the older I got was the more that I realized that so many people lack faith, that so many people lack faith. And if they do have faith, it's based on something that they've already seen or something that they've already experienced. But can I tell you that faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things that are not seen. And is faith really faith if we have to believe it, if we have to see it to believe it? I don't think so. See, growing up, there was a lot of things that I hoped for. There was a lot of things that I that I wanted in life, that I didn't have as I was growing up. So many things that I grew up desiring that I couldn't have because of how I grew up. I grew up with my grandparents and we weren't so well off. We weren't so financially stable. And that's a real nice kind of pretty way to put that. But there's nothing pretty about the way I grew up. Honestly, if truth be told, 
I was broke. And um, I remember I get made fun of as a kid because my clothes were so big on me. I, I was a very, very skinny kid growing up. Believe it or not, Pastor K did not always look like this. I was a very skinny kid. And when I was about 10 years old, um, I, I weighed less than 100 pounds. I was just not big at all. I was very, very skinny. Um, so I'm a... I'm a supporter of those slim people out there. It's okay. Things can change. Um, anyways, <laughs> listen, uh, I, I was growing up and my grandmother would take me to the swap shop. Now, the swap shop is a flea market. A flea market, for those of you who don't know, all right, is a place where you can go and get low-budget, low-cost, um, knockoff, no-name brand uh, items for a very cheap price. Anyways, and my grandmother would take me to the swap shop, and when we would go to the swap shop, she would take me to the adult section of clothes. Mind you, I'm 10 years old. I'm less than 100 pounds. And she would take me into the adult section of clothes, and she would buy me adult extra large size shirts. I would try these shirts on and I was drowning in the shirts. I the shirts were like to the to the length of my knees and I would be looking at my grandmother like this is not real life. You're really not going to expect me to wear this to school. And she would say, "It's okay, Kareem. You're going to grow into it one day." Yeah, like 25 years later I grew into the shirt. Right? <laughs> but um, we were so broke, the mentality was, listen, we can just buy you clothes for now and it'll last you as long as possible, right? But I had a hope that one day um, things for me would change. And the reason I had a hope was because there were so many times in my life where I would experience tough times. I remember we would take the city bus to church, and when we would take the city bus to church, I'd be in a full-on three-piece suit in 85-degree weather and get off the bus and have to walk miles to church. Sometimes we would go to church three to four times a week, sometimes even more, and we would take the city bus and have to walk to church, and I walked so much in these church shoes that eventually the church shoes had holes in the bottom of them, and I would continue to go to church with these holes in the bottom of my shoes, and I would always sit with my feet flat down and never crisscross because I never wanted anybody to see the holes in my shoes, and as I got older, I started to get a little bit wiser, so I, I went and I cut out a piece of cardboard, a small piece of cardboard, and I put it in the insole of my shoes so my feet weren't burning me anymore. So I got a little bit smarter. But I got to tell you that the struggle was real. I remember there were times where we would be taking the city bus and it would be pouring down rain and we had bags full of groceries and would get off at the bus stop and have to walk home in the rain with all these bags of groceries. I said the struggle was real. It was so hard for me. Because kids would make fun of me, I'd go to school. And back when Payless was around, I'd get my shoes from Payless. If you can remember what a Payless is. If you passed, born past 2000, you may not even know what that is. But I'd get some of my shoes from Payless and while everybody else was wearing Nikes and Reeboks and Adidas and all these name brand shoes and Jordans, I was coming to school wearing Shaqs, Dunkman Shaqs, on my feet. And kids, are cruel, y'all. Kids are cruel. 
but they would make fun of me for the things that I had on because we just couldn't afford it. We just couldn't afford it. We just couldn't afford it. And, and I had, in all those moments, just the smallest faith that one day I'd be able to change these circumstances, that I'd be able to get out of these situations, that one day my life would change, that I wouldn't have to live like this forever. That there was hope for me that one day I'd be able to have the things that I want, to do the things that I want to do, to get out of poverty, to one day have um, and, and be the dad that I never had, to one day not fall victim to my own circumstances, but to be a change breaker to my, 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 my circumstances, to, to not be a product of my environment, but to, to come out of my environment and be somebody different. I had faith that one day I would break the generational cycles that were over my life, that I would start new traditions, and that I would build a family of my own that I could, that I could raise and give them everything that they've wanted that I never had. This was the faith that I had. But all the things that I wanted in life would be absolutely impossible to become a reality if I didn't have the faith to make those things happen. So today, my sermon title is Faith for the Here and Now. Faith for the Here and Now. Today, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 24 to 32. And we'll read from the NIV version, and I'll read in your hearing. And it says, And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to walk on the water. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. I want to paint a picture for us today so we can see the significance of who we are. You see, early I talked about the fact that we are children of the king. And because we are children of the king, that makes us a part of the kingdom of God. But I also said that some of us have special privileges because we are the children of the king. 
and that when we take a closer look at scripture and it tells us to seek first the kingdom, it actually reminds me of Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, there's a verse that says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, there's that word again, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It continues on to say that everyone who asks shall receive. But really, Jesus, when he says everyone, is referring to everyone that is a child of the king. Some of us have the misconception that anybody and everybody gets the same privileges as the king's kids. But today I come to tell you that you're so special that God has specific set-apart privileges just for you. Listen to this. The Bible says that if you ask your earthly father for stone, I mean for bread, he would not give you stone. And if you ask your heavenly father to give you good gifts, of course, how much more would he give these gifts to you? But how can we receive the good gifts of God if we don't even have faith to ask God for these gifts? It may be because we don't realize who we're asking. We don't realize that we're asking our father for these gifts. We don't realize that we're asking the kings for this gift. And how can we seek his kingdom if we doubt that he's really the king? Pastor K, I don't doubt that God is real. But it shows different in your prayers. When you pray and ask God for something and you don't even believe what you're asking for. Because when you show doubt and you show a lack of faith, we show our insecurities toward a God who requires us to believe to even be saved. That's how important faith is. You can't even enter into the kingdom of God without faith. So how could we ask God for, for something and not even believe for what we're asking him for? Let me give you a little background to our text today. Jesus and the disciples have had a long past few days, and they're getting ready to leave one city, and they're getting ready to go to the next city. And as they're getting ready to leave, the crowds hear that Jesus is coming into town, and Jesus has to pass through a deserted land. And as Jesus is passing through this deserted land with his disciples, a crowd starts to form and follow him. And the Bible says that the disciples share some horrifying news with Jesus. The Bible says that the disciples tell Jesus that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. John the Baptist, one of Jesus' closest friends, as a matter of fact, his closest family, his head had just been cut off. He had died. And Jesus in that moment felt so much grief, so much pain, and so much hurt that Jesus said, let's go to a, a place where I can be alone. Because Jesus needed time to grieve. He needed time to think about the good times that he had with John. 
He needed time to let out the emotions that he was feeling because oftentimes we forget that the Jesus that we serve could feel the same humanity that we have, can feel emotions like we feel, can cry just like we cry and feel the pain that we feel. And as Jesus is focused on what has just happened in the past, at the very same time, his disciples are so anxious just to get to the next city. And they're trying to stay on schedule and they're, they're trying to stick within the plans that they have. And they're trying to get Jesus to just forget about this crowd and let's go to the next city. And Jesus in this moment is in a tug of war because there's something in the past that has just happened that is pulling Jesus and the disciples are trying trying to pull him towards the future. But in that moment that we see there, it's likened to just like us, where we're battling between our future and we're stuck between our past. And we're trying to have faith to, 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 to go through the pain and we're trying to have faith to go through the hurt. And we're trying to have faith to, to, to let, let go of all the, the chains of our past. Our past hurts, our past addictions, our past condemnations. And, and, but we're stuck between our past and we're, we're trying to pull towards our future. And some of us are, are, are so uh, chained to our future that we're always anxious. We're always having anxiety. We're, all, we're always worried about checking off what's next on the checklist, just getting done what's next on our checklist. And we're, we're focused on, on the present so much that we have forgotten about the now. We're so preoccupied with things that haven't even happened yet. And Jesus in that moment decides to be present in the here and the now. You see, in that deserted land, there was so much faith from this crowd of people that the Bible says that Jesus was moved by compassion. He was moved by the compassion of these people. And as Jesus is moved by compassion, he starts to heal the sick. He heals the sick to the point where basically the crowd is all done and he's ready to go. And, um, and the disciples are like, all right, Jesus, let, let's, let's go. We got we to get out of here. But the moment of faith here isn't about what happened in the past. It's not even about what's getting ready to happen in the future. The big moment of faith happens in that time, in that place, with those people. See, they were living in the present because they understood whose presence they were in. They knew that in that time, in that space, in that place, that they had an opportunity to exercise their faith, to receive what it is that they were looking for. And Jesus feels the faith of these people drawing him. 
And before he dispels them and tells them to go back to their villages or go back home, Jesus decides that we need to feed all 5,000 of these men and their family. And so Jesus turns to one of his disciples, Philip, and he says to Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? I don't want to just let them go. How are we going to feed all these people? And Philip says, I mean, we have some money, but it's not enough to feed everybody. And then the man of faith, Peter, says to Jesus, there is a child with five loaves of bread and two fish. What's so amazing to me is that Peter had no idea what Jesus was getting ready to do with what he just prompted Jesus' attention to. But because Peter saw the moment and Peter had little enough faith to believe that if we gave something little to Jesus, that something big would happen. And for some of us, all we need is a little bit of faith to be coupled with what Jesus can do. And in that moment, Jesus takes the five loaves of bread and the two fish and not only does Jesus feed the 5,000 men, but the Bible says that Jesus feeds all their wives. So if each of them had a wife, that'd be 10,000 people. And feeds all their children. So if each of them only had one kid, that'd be 15,000 people. And imagine some of them having two kids. It's called that 20,000 people. With five loaves of bread and two fish. The amazing thing about that is there was food left over. So much so that Jesus says, collect the baskets full of food that we would have some too. It's amazing to me to see that the faith that were in those people drew Jesus to compassion for Jesus to do one of the most amazing miracles recorded. The faith that this child had was so strong that it blessed over 15,000 people. Because the truth is, is this kid had no idea whether or not he was going to get to eat any of his bread or fish. But he trusted in Jesus. And the small faith that Peter had to look at what this little boy had and believe that Jesus could do something. It blew my mind. Because Peter realized the situation he was in. And he realized that in this moment, in the here, in the now, that Jesus could do something special. And that tells me that with all, that with God, all things are possible. But it also tells me that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone that comes to him must first 
believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. There's that phrase again. And that's according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. So when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we have to believe what we're seeking for and believe who we are seeking. See, it's not so hard to believe that Jesus can do miracles. After all, he is Jesus. It's not even so hard to believe that Jesus is moved by our faith. But what happens? What happens when faith makes us move? What happens when faith makes us make the move? And that brings me to my first point. I know it took me forever to get here, but we're finally at the meat of the story. And my first point today is that in your storms, Jesus is moved toward you. In your storm, Jesus is moved toward you. And the disciples are on a boat and they're sailing on the boat. Sailing on the boat, sailing. I can't remember the rest of the words of that song, but if you know it, it's a good song, all right? It's an old school song. I got an old soul, y'all. Anyways, they're sailing on the boat and they're trying to get to their new destination. They're trying to get to the other side of the, of the sea. And Jesus goes in a separate boat besides them. And as they're traveling in this boat, a storm picks up in the Galilean Sea. And as the storm picks up, there's so much wind and waves that are hitting against the boat. And it is a terrible, horrific storm. And I kind of have a feeling I know what that's like because I grew up in Florida where we got hurricanes all the time. And so it is a very scary situation when you see trees and other big objects flying in the air and waters. If you live close enough to the beach, you would see the water levels rise and hit and crash into buildings. So I can just only imagine being in the middle of this. Here's what blows my mind. In the middle of this, Jesus gets out of his boat, casually walks out of his boat and starts to walk on the water. In the middle of this storm, Jesus is casually walking on the water and the disciples are disturbed with what is happening. They are so afraid of losing their lives. You see, but there is a kingdom assignment on their lives. So there was no need for them to be afraid. And just as there is a kingdom assignment on their lives, there's a kingdom assignment on your life as well. It's just up to you to seek out what that assignment is. It's up to you to seek out what God's will for your life is. It's up to you that even in the storm, you trust Jesus with faith. And as you trust Jesus with faith, and as you begin to seek out his will, and seek his kingdom, and seek his righteousness, Jesus will reveal to you what that assignment is. He'll reveal to you what he wants to do. But when he does, and he gives you this answer, don't start backtracking. That's right. Don't, don't start backtracking. Like, some of us get the answer from God, and we just 
aren't happy with the answer we get. Like, hold up, God. Uh, get, on second thought, can we do this again? Can, can, is there another way that um, we can go about getting this answer? Uh, um, Lord, I'm just not ready for that yet. Can we wait a couple years before we have this kid? Um, Lord, I'm just really not ready to make that move across the country yet. Uh, God, I, I, I really, I, you know, I love you, but I really love this job more than um, wanting to go to church. So are you sure you want me to, 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 to look for another job? Uh, um, God, are you sure? Don't start backtracking on what God tells you when he gives you your kingdom assignment because when he does give you your kingdom assignment you best believe that the storms will come you best believe that tests will come. You best believe that difficult times will come, that tiring times will come, that dark nights will come. But in those times, Jesus is moved toward you. In the times of darkness, Jesus is moved towards you. In the times of storm, he's moved towards you. In the times of tests, Jesus is moved toward you. And that brings me to my second point, that you need to be courageous in those moments. Be courageous in the now. Be courageous in the now. And until Jesus calms the storm for you, you have to be courageous in that moment. Why, Pastor K? Why do I need to be courageous? Because God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And some of us are losing our minds and we don't realize that the battle is in our mind. We're such overthinkers that before anything actually happens, we have played out a hundred scenarios in our, our heads of how we're going to die. Before anything happens, we, we, we've played out uh, uh, so many ways that things can go wrong. Some of us are such overthinkers that we procrastinate to make decisions. Some of us are such overthinkers that we overanalyze situations that don't need to be overanalyzed. Some of us are such overthinkers that we can have two good choices to make. And instead of us just choosing one and taking the action steps to pick one, we just don't choose anything and completely miss the blessing. When I was growing up, there was a show on TV called A Thousand Ways to Die. And it was one of the most ridiculous shows that I ever watched because they would go over literally a thousand ways that you could die. Uh, and um, I just thought it was very illogical. Um, for example, they would show people like tripping over their shoelaces and falling down a flight of stairs and dying or like brushing their teeth and hitting themselves in the back of their throat and choking to death or something like that. Just weird, illogical things. And some of us are so afraid of things that we have no reason to be afraid of that it's just not logical. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to have fears because I'm afraid of snakes. But that's a logical fear. Snakes bite and some snakes are poisonous. I don't want to die. Logical fear. But can you imagine a bunch of grown men on a boat yelling and crying in fear because they were seeing a ghost? These disciples were crying out in fear because they thought they saw a ghost. Now, I'm a, a big black man. I'm 6'4". I'm a big black man. Now, imagine me in a boat 
with Pastor Chris Godfrey and Pastor Chris Dow and a bunch of other strong men and that you know in a boat and screaming our lights out. Ah, it's a ghost. Look how ridiculous that sounds. Illogical. Now imagine yourself in that boat and how ridiculous we may look sometimes when we have illogical fears. Well, Jesus sees the disciples about to lose their mind and immediately he says to them, be courageous. Be courageous. Some of us need to hear that. Be courageous. Be courageous. Jesus says, it is I. Do not be afraid. Brings me to my last point. That when opportunity arrives, step out on faith. When opportunity arrives, step out on faith. You know, one thing that I can say about Peter is that when he sees the opportunity to do something or to say something, he always seizes the opportunity. And for some of us, there are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities that God would send our way. But we have to be able to step out on faith in order to grab those opportunities. There's some of us that have prayed for breakthroughs and we've prayed for deliverances and we've, we've prayed for things for so many years and we want God to give us certain things. But are we willing to step out on faith when it comes? Because sometimes when God sends what we've been praying for, it always doesn't show up the way we expect it to show up. Sometimes it'll come in the middle of a storm. Sometimes it'll come in the darkest point of your life. Sometimes the things that God has answered you and the things that you've wanted all your life, they'll come at the most unexpected times. But in those times, are you living in the here and now to step out on faith? In the here and now, in this moment, in that right now moment, while you're right in the middle of it, do you have the faith to ask for it? Do you have the faith to seek for it? Do you have the faith to claim it? Do you have the faith to believe when you pray? Does your faith tell you it's too risky? Does your faith say not yet? Does your faith say let's wait another time? Or does your faith tell you to take the step? Does your faith tell you to ask Jesus, if this is you, command me to come. Does your faith tell you to walk on water? Does your faith tell you to take the limits off of God and see what he can do? Does your faith tell you that you need to take action now? While the Savior is present, see, Peter saw in a moment of time something that had never happened in the past. Peter saw in the moment of time something that would never happen in the future. There was only here and now. And what some of us are in, are in situations where it's a here and now situation. There won't ever be a time that has happened to us in the past. And it may not happen to us again in the future. But we're here and now. And God has put us in this situation are you going to step out on faith? What are some of the things or some of the situations that you're in that you need the faith for right now?
just a few verses down in Matthew chapter 6, it talks about taking no thought for tomorrow because tomorrow will present its own challenges. So you need to focus on today. You need to focus on the here and the now. What does God want from me right now? What is God saying right now? When I seek God and I seek his kingdom, what is he saying to me right now? What is the kingdom call for my life right now? What do you have faith enough to believe for, for God to add to your life right now? As I close, you know, Peter says to Jesus, if it's, if it's you, call me out of this ship, Lord. And I'll come to you. And Jesus tells Peter to come. And Peter steps on the water and starts to walk to Jesus. It's one of the most scientifically defying acts of history. And Peter begins to sink. And as he begins to sink, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches his hand and saves him. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? A lot of preachers that I've heard preach this message, they criticize Peter because having such initial faith and then doubting later on. But I see the humanity in Peter because like many of us, we have the initial faith to go and to even get saved. But once we step on the water and we have to continue to walk by faith and not by sight, our faith gets a little bit small. When we have to have the faith to believe God to heal that family member, when we have to have faith for protection over our family and our kids, when we have to have faith for that house that we really want, when we have to have faith for that job that we really desire, our faith grows small and we doubt. But I learned a few things from Peter. Number one, look for Jesus and keep looking to him. Although a storm surrounded him, Peter looked to Jesus. The problem was that he stopped looking at Jesus. And there's a very clear principle here. Especially when life is tumultuous, look for Jesus and keep looking to him. When Jesus commands you to obey him, and Jesus told Peter to come, he was obedient and he walked on water. Thirdly, faith is just simply taking the next step. Some of us just have to take the step. Peter took one step to get out of the boat, and then he took another step onto the water. Faith unleashes supernatural power in your life. Peter had never experienced such supernatural power until he had the faith to take the step. I want you guys to know that fear will sink you, just as it did Peter. But... A little faith is better than no faith at all. You see, the Lord Jesus spoke to Peter's little faith. But what that tells me is that he had the capability of having even greater faith. And to be completely honest with you, in that moment and in that time, the little faith that Peter had to walk on water showed greater than the faith that the other disciples didn't have. Because when I look at this story, out of all the disciples that walked on water, only Peter had enough faith to do it. And why is that? Because faith 
small as a mustard seed, can move mountains. Eventually, those mustard seed faiths grow into big, beautiful trees. In my closing today, I, I want to really just encourage us to walk in faith in the here and the now. Before I moved to Tulsa and I, I, I left Florida, it was one of the hardest decisions to make in my life. But it was a step of faith that I had to take. Everything I've known, every person I know, um, all my comforts, all the things that I've grown up to, to be around and be surrounded with was back home in Florida. And it would be crazy to leave all those things and go halfway across the country where I knew nobody. What was even crazier was that I would take my wife and children with me to a place that we knew no one. But God commanded us to take a step of faith. And when we took a step of faith, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. In our first year here, while it was so beautiful getting to be surrounded by such a great community of people here at Christian Chapel, some of the hardest times in my life, some of the most tumultuous storms in my life hit. Eight very close people to me died in 2020. My grandparents, my grandmother and my grandfather, which were my legal guardians, died in 2020. It was such a hard year, but I, I was in this boat. And I had to step off and I had already stepped off by coming to Tulsa, but the storms were surrounding me as I was walking on the water. But I can tell you that I kept my eyes on Jesus. When all the noise was surrounding me, I kept my eyes on Jesus and I took it step by step. And as we've started this second season of Chapel Youth that I've been here, I can tell you that I've seen the faithfulness of God in my life. We've seen Chapel Youth grow. We've seen so much growth in ourselves as individuals, in my marriage, in our children, in this church. And that's because we choose to live in the here and now. Today I want you to live by faith in the here and now. If you don't mind, I just want to say a prayer for you. God, whoever's watching, I pray that you would touch their heart. See the points of their life where they're battling between the future and the past. Set them free to live in the here and now. Give them the faith that they need to take the steps to be water walkers, to seize the opportunity, to seize the moment. And God, we pray that you would increase our faith in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.